Hi, I'm Alex Noonan, and this is Yeti Village, a podcast by Last Call Media, where we interview people in and around the tech community. In this, our seventh episode of Yeti Village, I will be talking to Kelly McCabe. Kelly is a senior developer with Last Call Media and an all-around badass lady. I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a long time, even though I just saw you. (laughs) Um, We are just going to talk a little bit about you and just about, like, what you've been up to um, at, you know, at Last Call and also in your own life, doing your own thing. So why don't you just take a couple minutes to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, I am a senior developer at Les Hall Media. I've been there, I think if my anniversary hasn't passed already, it's coming up for six years. Yes, oh my gosh, I saw that on the calendar too and I was like, I have to bring that up. You're, according to the calendar, your anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, it's tomorrow. <laughs> I know. I was like, I think it's sometime around this time of year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Six years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a good six years. Um, I have enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I actually never anticipated I would be doing this. If you would ask me a, probably when I was 19 or 20, if this is what I'd be doing, probably wouldn't have believed you and or wouldn't have said that this is something I would do. Um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy uh, programming a lot. I enjoy it primarily just because I enjoy any sort of problem solving, or, uh, puzzling, anything like that. I'm based out of Northampton. I'm about five blocks from our main office. So, <laughs> but never there, always working from home. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a pretty much it cool yeah so what do you i know i know but we're we're talking to the people now so what do you do at last call uh yeah like i said senior developer i work on right now for about a year now i've been working on the mass.gov site and my role over there is just to support their drupal um site and just fixing various things over on that end. It seems like primarily what I do for their Drupal support is um, anything that involves dealing with large amounts of content and um, anything that involves fixing that and then queuing it up to be reprocessed. Right now I'm working on a migration from workbench moderation to core content moderation. I'm working on that for a little bit, supporting mass.gov's Drupal site um, with a couple of other people from our last calls team, but um, primarily I'm the only Drupal person, or the only person doing Drupal on Mass.gov right now. And how how's that been? I mean, it's been like you said, it's been about a year now, maybe oh, yeah. over a year now. Yeah, <laughs> is that? And I think prior to that, you were you're kind of on the SLA team. I did SLA for a little bit. I was primarily doing new builds. I did. One new, I led a team for new build for one new build for UMFA, 
the Utah Museum of Fine Art. And prior to that, yeah, just working with uh, Jeff Lamfried doing new builds under him until I kind of got my bearings to lead teams doing new builds and then I would put on my stock up. Can you talk, I mean, I know you mentioned someone had asked you when you were 20 what if, if you if this is what you would be doing i mean i often feel exactly the same way about myself but i'm just wondering you know can you do you feel comfortable elaborating a little bit more on you know how you got to where you are now what what brought you here i i feel like everyone's journey into tech is can be a little unusual at times so yeah I think um it wasn't something I studied in college um I never actually went to college I'm in school right now <laughs> and prior to that I think all throughout like my childhood when I was in high school and junior high I wanted to be a doctor <laughs> yeah I I kind of that's kind of what I wanted to do but I think my junior and senior year of high school I just kind of abandoned the idea and when I got out of high school, I just went straight to working. I was kind of directionless, I guess. And when I moved to Massachusetts from Los Angeles, I worked, continued working in coffee shops, but it was just like, I, I couldn't keep doing that. <laughs> I couldn't keep doing customer service like that. And I got a job at LeftClick, fixing computers um, and working the front desk. And I had kind of as a hobby been doing programming, just like little things. And... It was on my resume, um, just like as like a thing, like I was just like, oh, I guess I do this and it, it's computery, so I'll put it there. <laughs> and but it was just I, I got this call one day, like three months in to working at LeftClick. And they're like, hey, we're looking for a junior developer. Do you want to interview for this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I shouldn't have put that on my resume. <laughs> and. But I, I went and I interviewed and they hired me uh, initially. I think it was just part time. But after a couple of weeks, they're like, yeah, you should just come and work up here and you can just work full time as a junior developer. And uh, yeah, that was that was six years ago. And that's just what I've been doing. It was kind of funny. A couple years back, one of my friends from Los Angeles came out to Boston to audition at the Boston Conservatory for grad school. He sang opera. Wow. And yeah, he's an amazing singer. And he, we met up for drinks in Boston and I told him I was a programmer and he was like, what? Like, he was just like so shocked by this. And he was just like, no, no, you can't be doing that. That's so weird. Like he was just so <laughs> completely like, it like blew his mind that that's what I was doing. So apparently it's not only me who would never have thought I would be doing this. It's, it's people I knew before I moved here as well. A widely held belief. Yeah. <laughs> Great. But so what are you in school for now? I'm studying philosophy. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> I like to call it the quintessential useless degree because every time I say that, <laughs> inevitably, someone's like, oh, why would you get a degree in that? And I'm like, because I like it. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't hold the belief that you should only go to school to make money. I also agree as someone who went to art school. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Right. I mean, I I think it's important to like nurture your soul a little bit. So, come on. Yeah, I mean, especially if you 
as you currently are, you have a job already yeah. and it's, it's not like you're looking for a career change. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Study whatever you want. Yep. <laughs> Get yeah. that knowledge, you know, feed <laughs> your soul, as you said. Exactly. I think there's um, way too much information out there for us to just be insulating ourselves to only the things that we think are going to get us money. So true. Very true. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned wanting to be a doctor too, because I also <laughs> had that notion when I was in high school. Uh, freshman year, I was like pretty sure I was going to go to school to be a physician's assistant. Nice. And then I was like, wait, I can't do math. So <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I think there's like an alternate universe out there where we're both doctors. Like, there there must be, be, right? <laughs> like we got far enough along on the path that there's definitely a universe where we went through with that. Yeah. And you also are artistic as well. I know you've mm -hmm. shown me some of your drawings and I think... Uh, company day you mentioned a project that you were working on so I am I'm currently I read tarot it's more like a for me it's I think a lot of people hear tarot and they immediately think like people like someone trying to read the future but for me it's more like a self-exploration thing it's like you get your cards and you use them as a means of self-reflection so I've been doing that for a little while and I decided to make my own deck so that's a project that I've kind of been working on. It's, I call it my stress relief project. Um, it's just kind of fun to draw them. Um, and I got like really into digital media and I have that little tablet and it's kind of fun to just sit there and draw. And it gives me a chance to kind of explore different, um, different programs for drawing. I'm very into the free and open source program. So I use uh, Krita. Um, for drawing, and then I'll use Inkscape for SVGs. That's awesome. I think it's cool that you're using open source drawing tools because we work in open source website software. Is there is there a connection there, or do you like do you just feel really strongly about open source? I feel very strongly about open source. Um, yeah. I use Linux. I, I use Gentoo. I just like if I can find an open source alternative to like any product that's on the market, I use it. Um, I just, I feel very, very strongly about anything being open source. I just, I like the community aspect. I like the transparency aspect. There tends to be a lot more security involved in it because you have so many eyes on it at any given time. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I just don't like proprietary software. If I don't have to use it, I won't use it. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I, I think I have a different perspective on it now, having worked at a shop that, you know, we, we do a lot of Drupal work, but I think amongst other people that I know, you know, my friends that aren't in the tech sphere, I feel like open source software has sort of a bad rap as something that is going to give, give your computer a virus or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like it, like it has a reputation for being untrustworthy. But it sounds like it's exactly the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really interesting. Um, I think it kind of gets that, that it comes across that way because, you know, it looks a certain way. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people look at it and they think that looks like Windows 95. <laughs> and when you have something that looks like that, they, you tend to associate it with being like a lower grade. 
Um, and I can totally see that. Absolutely. Um, but I, I mean, if people were to look over my shoulder at my computer, like at my screen, it's literally just the absolute bare minimum. Like I don't even use a mouse, like unless I'm in the browser. So I don't even, like, I don't have a desktop. Everything's key commands. So I guess aesthetics for me aren't really a thing, but yeah, I think it's worth, I think there's a lot of literature out there about open source and the security of it. And granted there in any sphere, there's going to be programs that are not um, secure. Oh yeah. I mean, look at any Apple update. I mean, like suddenly now there's this whole (laughs) thing about like, they need to release an update to fix the fact that even if you don't pick up a FaceTime call, people can hear you and possibly see you yeah. if they're FaceTiming you. And it's just, it's things like that, that I think it's funny that it's like, okay, but sure, it looks really nice and it's widely used. And so people are like, yeah, this is great. This is fine. And then yeah. something like, you know, some open source drawing software comes along and people are kind of like, well, I'd rather use this paid program because it looks like it's in the, the cloud like that's what right. i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh man don't even get me started on adobe subscription fees oh, oh man I, that irritated me so much i'm like where can i illegally download cs5 because i'm just uh... <laughs> so chris is also a developer mm-hmm. and have so I, I just need to ask, you don't have to answer if this is too <laughs> getting into territory that's uncomfortable. We can definitely change the topic, but I'm just, I'm curious about like, how did you guys meet and were you both developers at the same time or did someone else influence the other person about like, hey, you should get into this development thing? Um, yeah. So the way we met is kind of a funny story. I'll start there because <laughs> I think it's funny. Um, so back when I still worked at the Northern Noble Cafe, um, my friend Paige, we both worked together at the time. And she, for like three months, she was trying to get me to meet this guy, Chris. And I was just like, nope, don't want to meet him. I don't, I don't want to meet your friend. I don't want to meet this guy. And so one night or like one day I had like a really, really terrible shift. It was just awful. I had this customer like yelling at me and I, I had been like, I tried, like bawled my eyes out. It was awful. And she's like, you need to come over and we'll have wine. It will be great. We'll just hang out. And I was like, okay, fine. So I go over to her, um, her place and we're sitting there and someone like pulls up into her driveway and she had said her roommates were out all night. And I was like, who is this person pulling into your driveway? And then this guy walks in and she like had been sitting there like giggling at her phone like the entire night. And I was like, what is she doing? And so this guy walks in and he immediately like goes upstairs and I'm like, Paige, who is this? And she's like, oh, that's Chris. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, who, what? So he comes back down and sits next to me on the couch and immediately pulls out his computer. (laughs) And like, you know, Chris, so you could totally see him doing this. He just pulls oh, out yeah. his computer and starts working. Oh, and my God. It's like, okay. And I'm like, what's you working on? <laughs> the next time I worked, he had 
he came in and he's like never come in before. He's like, I've never seen him in at Barnes and Noble before. And so I walk over and like talk to him for a little bit. And we go on, I go on my break and he like, we go out to the parking lot and talk a little bit more. And this keeps happening. He just keeps coming in every time I'm working. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, you know, he's never going to like say anything. And I'm like, I thought he was cute. He's like, okay. So finally one day, like this, I was like, before I had like my two days off, I like, like walk up to him like, so what are you doing later? <laughs> <laughs> and so finally we actually went out, but um, yeah around it was like maybe a month or two later after that like after we started actually dating he I was like I need to find a new job I hate this job and I was like looking for office reception jobs and I was telling him about that job at left click and he's like you should apply there like you like computers like you like the thing like you like what I do he was he was already a programmer yeah and I was like I don't know like I don't know if I know enough about computers he's like you already do some programming like you should just do that and so he he was the one who convinced me to apply for that job and when I got the call about applying for or interviewing for a developer position I remember I went over to his apartment and I was so nervous I started crying <laughs> I was so nervous and he was like why are you crying they called you to interview like they obviously just want you to like do this like it's not a big deal and yeah. uh, he mostly like more than convincing me to do it or like prodding me in one direction or the other he like was just the moral support for it yeah but I'm the one who convinced him to apply at last call <laughs> I do remember that yes yeah but yeah he's been more than anything else he's just been like really good moral support that's I love that story <laughs> so much I want to like film a reenactment of it and play it. <laughs> That's amazing. So, what is something that you were? I know we talked a little bit about what you're doing in in your free time and in your personal life and stuff. But what's something coding related, uh, mass stack up or otherwise, that you're working on right now? Um, I know that at like one point I had talked about this writing a novel and there's this piece of software um there's an open source piece of software that you use to do outlining um for writing and every time i use it there's this one thing about it that i really just it irks me you can't if you're like trying to do I'm sorry i'm getting really excited because every time i talk to a dev and they're like i was using this thing and there was this one thing that i was like why does it do this and then they just come out with this amazing story about how they resolve this really difficult issue like i'm sorry i'm just go ahead don't let me interrupt you're, i'm really excited go ahead <laughs> oh god i feel like i'm gonna let you down now <laughs> no, no, it's gonna be great <laughs> Well, you can do like character like outlines and it just lets you like add a field to this like one like thing. It's like basically you can think of it like a spreadsheet where you just add more rows and then you would just define what each row is. It would be like name, height, um, hair color. But the thing that really irked me is that if you have multiple characters, you can't just copy that like set of fields to the next character. So I'm like, if I have a hundred fields in here, am I just going to like rewrite all of those fields yeah and so i went to the code for this thing because it is open source so you can just go in and look at the code and 
it was just gnarly. Like it, it uses this thing called Qt, um, and it, it's written in Python, but it's using Qt instead of GTK. And um, I was like, there's no way I'm gonna like deal with all these generated XML files. So I've, I've been rewriting the program in GTK <laughs> because rather than just try to figure out how to fix this one field, I'd rather just rewrite the entire program. Just rewriting the whole thing. Oh my God, yeah. that's amazing. Um, I started prototyping it in because I thought maybe I could just do it as a web app. And so I started prototyping it in Symfony, but then I was like, no, I just, I really just want this to be a desktop app. So um, yeah, that's kind of been what I've been, I've been doing. And it's fun because Python's one of my favorite languages to write in. And what, I know you mentioned a little bit about what you're doing on mass.gov right now, but could you break that down and explain it to me as if, I don't know anything about web development because I sort of don't. It's funny you should want that. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote a six-page document. Whoa. Detailing everything I've done with this migration. Well, here we go. <laughs> Would you like me to just read it? <laughs> <laughs> Take it from the top, Kelly. There we go. <laughs> well, essentially what I'm doing is um, Mass.gov, when it was built, I wasn't around for this part, um, but I'm assuming very close to the beginning of when it was built, they implemented a module called Workbench Moderation, which allowed them to make content, to put content into different states of moderation. So it could be content, could be draft, it could be published, it could be unpublished. And they did this kind of as a temporary measure um, while waiting for content moderation, which is a core module, to be stable. Recently, a couple months ago, uh, core moderation did become stable. It's no longer an alpha. So now that core moderation is stable, we need to migrate all of the content that is using workbench moderation to use content moderation. And that's what I've been working on. The biggest hiccups I've had have been with the fact that the Mass.gov site has quite a few revisions. So we're looking at migrating something like 600,000 entities. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in and of itself, the migration takes just a lot of time. Um, it's something you're going to have to run overnight. On top of that, it's just there are some known issues with content moderation duplicating revisions. And if we go a route that we don't have that happen, there's issues with timestamps getting updated when we don't want them to because we don't want it to look like this content is getting like republished or re-edited. We want it to maintain the same timestamps. Um, so these are all just kind of the issues I've been dealing with for a little bit. And we're going to like kind of, this is why I had to write this document. Um, we're going to kind of go over this and try and see what our options are going forward and see if we can get this resolved in a manner that doesn't involve us just abandoning our efforts. <laughs> I know. I, is that an option at this point? I hope not. Um, we're probably going to look at what it would take to prune back uh, some of the current revisions because a lot of them are unnecessary. They're the byproduct of other modules not properly doing garbage collection. Oh, okay. So they're just a, like orphaned revisions essentially. Yeah. So we, we're, we're going to try and see if we can figure out how many orphan revisions there are versus valid revisions. If that puts a large enough dent in that 600,000 number, if we can then deal with having those duplicitous revisions after running the migration. Wow. 
Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun couple months. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like a a puzzle, like a really intense crossword. Yeah, <laughs> but like I said, I like the puzzles. So <laughs> sounds like you're the right person for the job. Then that's great. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you want to tell the world? <laughs> um. Oh no. Can I tell them I love them? Because I do. I love them. <laughs> please, please do. I think they need to hear it. I love you, girls. I do. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me on this. It was really nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. Yeti Village is produced by me, Alex Noonan, and we do our best to make our work accessible to everyone. We have transcripts for every episode of Yeti Village available at lastcallmedia.com forward slash blog. Please subscribe to and rate our podcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your podcast service of choice. You can also drop us a line at lastcallmedia.com and tell us what topics you'd be interested to hear us explore for this podcast.